It's going to be a really long sermon, so I need two statements. Reach on, <laughs> I never know. I'm kidding about a long. I'm not saying it's going to be a short sermon, but uh, but um, I'm kidding about a long sermon. But I've never been known to under preach. <laughs> I'm I'm going to preach from Mark chapter four, Mark the fourth chapter, and uh, I gave to uh, I gave to let me slip us in behind the phone here for me. Uh, I gave to uh, Brian an outline of. Uh, of what I was going to be preaching on, and uh, I brought that with me several because it's a little different than what I have in in my uh, in my papers. Uh, so, uh, from Mark chapter four, toward the end of that chapter, Mark four. Starting at the 35th verse, verse 35. What I'll do is put these papers over here. The other kind of got the outline on one on one uh, stand and the Bible on the other. Sometimes when I go to a funeral home to to do a funeral, one of the funeral homes near near where I live has a pulpit about this wide to speak on from and. I have room for the Bible, but if I have anything else I want to add, like notes or anything, I find myself crowded. So this is this works out well for me. So, <laughs> from Mark chapter four, uh, again, I'm, I, I thank you for having me here. Uh, I'm from. I always tell people uh, near a few miles from the Irwin exit of the Pennsylvania Turnpike. If you might have some idea where that is, east of east of Pittsburgh, about maybe fifteen to twenty miles, and actually grew up there, and then. Pastor a couple other churches after seminary, and then came back to pastor the church I grew up in, which is Calvin Presbyterian. Uh, again, it's actually North Huntington near Urban, uh, and then there 23 years and helped my son-in-law, who's also a pastor up at the Murrayville PCA Church for a few years uh, before before uh, before retiring. But I still have the opportunity to, to uh, preach at different locations, so I'm glad to be here sharing the scriptures uh, with you and. Um, I'm going to read this text, and then I'm going to back up and make some comments on this text. Then I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to bring out some points from this from this text in, in the message. So from Mark 4, 35 to the end of the chapter, it says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, to his disciples, that is, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the blanket. And they woke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, Who who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
Now, a few remarks about this text and the setting before I get into the into the sermon. This account in Mark four is also found in Matthew chapter eight, verse twenty three and following. Also found in Luke chapter eight, verse twenty two and following. But Mark's account, uh, although Mark often uses the word immediately or straightway in the other translations, uh, and and and. Uh, moves quickly to the next item. Mark gives the most elaborate account of this event of Christ calming, calming the sea. Uh, and uh, early but probably accurate tradition says that Mark traveled with Peter uh, and wrote down what Peter said. So Mark's account is probably firsthand from Peter's experience being in that boat and with the Lord upon that sea. And that's maybe why he mentions some things that the other accounts do not contain. Only Mark mentions that there were other boats in verse 36. We don't know whether they crossed the sea with Jesus or not, but he mentions there were other boats there as, as, as well when Jesus said, let's go to the other side. All three accounts have a great storm, but Mark and Luke emphasize that it was a great windstorm Matthew uses the word seismos, which is the word used for seismology, which is the word used for earthquakes. So we don't know whether there was also a shaking of the sea by a quake as well as a great wind that came up. We don't know whether there was rain or not. Perhaps so, but they, the accounts don't specifically mention that. They were in a boat probably about 27 feet long and about 7.6 feet wide, about 7.5 feet wide and 27 feet long. In fact, one of those boats has been found at a location called Magdala, where Mary Magdalene is from. This is a, this is a picture of the boat, the, the hull of the boat, what remains of it from that time. Here it is in color, but it's smaller. Uh, little item up here, a book. That's not part of the boat. But, but this is about the size boat they were probably in. Not necessarily that this was a boat that Jesus was in, but undoubtedly, this this boat, this size of boat that Jesus took uh, with his disciples when that great storm arose, and they were fearful of of, of perishing. The uh, mountains or high hills, I should say, surround the Sea of Galilee, which is about six hundred some feet below sea level, and the wind funnels down through those mountains and can very quickly kick up a storm on the water. I've been on the Sea of Galilee when I was there. Fortunately, it was very calm. Thankful to the Lord for that. But it very quickly can become turbulent. And they were out on the sea. The lake's about 8 miles wide, about 13 miles long. They were going from, uh, they were going from up near the area of Capernaum and going to, I'm trying to think about how it would be from your direction, going to cross uh, going to cross over the lake, hope I have it right from your perspective, I'm not sure I'm going the right direction here, from the from the, the, the northwest to the southeast, going to cross over the lake, I'm going to go this way with you, if I look backwards, forgive me, uh, uh, quite a journey out in the water, the lake gets quite deep, and because of the hills and the valleys, it can kick up very fast, and that's what they experienced as they were crossing that lake, and in fear that the boat was going to was going to sink. Only Mark mentions that Jesus was asleep on a cushion. That was mentioned asleep, but he was asleep on a cushion. Mark mentions in the stern of the boat. And only Mark mentions how disrespectful the disciples were to him. Teacher, don't you care that we're <coughs> perishing? 
Only Mark mentions this harsh uh, words to to whom they saw as the teacher and, and their instruction master, but not fully realizing who he was. Before we look at the text in more detail, let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to appreciate what what spiritual lessons we might gain from this account, uh, that we might better understand the Lord ourselves, and also, Lord, when the storms of life that we experience kick up, and even undoubtedly some are facing some here, and and your people face us everywhere, as do all in the world. Help us to uh, help us, Lord, to uh, uh, to to draw from this text encouragement in our blessed Lord and Redeemer Jesus Christ. Uh, use this text, others I refer to, this sermon also, Lord, to your glory in the lives of your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at our text again here. Uh, and let me go through just the first part. He says, verse 35, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. Let me just stop there. Let me bring out something that stood out to me in this concerning this text. The the uh, the western side of Jerusalem, over to that side was where Nazareth was, uh, and other uh, primarily Jewish towns, Capernaum, uh, uh, Bethsaida, basically Jewish populated. Jesus is going to leave this safe region, well, though hated by some of the Jews, this this Jewish region where he had been ministering, himself being Jewish. He was going to cross the lake to the other side, to the Gentile side, to what was known as the Decapolis, the ten basically Grecian cities on the on the uh, on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, and and minister to people on that side. Just just making a stop over there in um, amongst the Gentiles, many of them knowing very little about Jesus or who he was, although they probably had heard. Uh, because they were not too far from the Jordan River and from the Sea of Galilee. The first thing I want you to see from this text is this, that Jews and Gentiles, like us, now some of you may be Jewish, I, I, I don't know, but certainly Jesus ministered to the Jews, but here you see Jesus ministering also to the non-Jews, to Gentiles, which I am and I suppose many or all of you are here, the non-Jews, they are precious to our Lord. He made a specific effort to leave the Jewish region and cross the lake for a brief ministry among the Gentiles so that the gospel might go among them. Here he, here he healed the gathering demoniac who spread the gospel, spread what Christ had done for him and, and the Savior's power amongst the Gentile people in the, in the Grecian Gentile cities. And you see from this, and you see from Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well, uh, you, see, you see Jesus going uh, 
further north up toward uh, Tyre and Sidon at times to minister to the Gentiles in that region. What I want you to see from this is Jesus not only ministered to the Jews, not only did he reach out for them with a gospel witness to them of who he was and his redeeming work, but also to the Gentiles. Even as much of the Christian church today is Gentiles. Because not only Jews, but people like us are precious to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the message he had uh, and, and is given to Jews and Gentiles today is that salvation is found in Christ entrusting in Christ as the Savior, just as this church and this denomination endeavors faithfully to preach. Let me go a little further, though, and bring out something more from this text. Look look with me at verse uh, verse 37. Now, out in the boat, now, again, eight miles wide, 13 miles long, the crossing over from the area of Capernaum and up there in the, in the, in the northern part of Galilee, coming over over to the to the Gentile section, coming across the deep water. Verse thirty seven says, "A great windstorm arose, and waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling." This boat is seven and a half feet wide. Now think about that. I'm not sure how far. I'm uh, looking at the six seats there. But the, the, that, those, those six seats there, that front row where I was sitting, are, are wider than the boat in which the disciples and the Lord were, were riding in across the, across the lake. About 27 feet long, 7.6 feet wide. You can picture how easy it would be with the wind coming down, funneled through the valleys, to quickly swamp this boat. The boat was already filling. He was in the stern. Asleep, asleep on a cushion. Now think, think what this is saying to us. Asleep on a cushion in the middle of the storm when they were fearful for their lives. They woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? That the boat was going to sink. Four of these men, James and John, Peter and Andrew, four of these men were fishermen. They spent hours, perhaps years on the lake fishing. It was their business. And fishing could be a fairly prosperous business to, to a Jewish person out in the lake. And catching the fish, selling the fish. They knew about the Sea of Galilee, but they were afraid for their lives. And Jesus is asleep on a cushion in the back of the boat. This is what I want you to see from this, from this text. That Jesus was fully a human being. Fully a human being. Like you and I. Yet without sin. I I made some outlines of this sermon, which is much more than I'll be saying in this message. I put over here by the the Bible there in that box. And I, I didn't add those words, but without sin or yet without sin. I think, of course, that would be understood. But I want to emphasize that. He was fully human like you and I are, yet without sin. This very day, Jesus had traveled throughout the towns of Galilee. He had preached the gospel. He had healed a demoniac. He had confronted unbelieving relatives. 
His own family came to him and wanted to take him away from the people he was speaking to because they thought, yeah, something's wrong with, with, with this man or, or some, to some, some, some of his half siblings. And, and they didn't, they didn't believe in him. So he had to deal with them too. And, and, and scribes and Pharisees who hated him and wanted to take him down and hinder his ministry and his redemptive work. He had taught a series of parables about the kingdom of God. And now as evening drew near, he was thoroughly exhausted. Thoroughly exhausted. As any man would be. And he was trying to grab some very deep sleep in the back of this boat as it was crossing over to the area of the Decapolis, across the lake. And that's why he's asleep in the boat. You see, what I want you to see is, he was exhausted. Our Lord was tired. He, he was like you and I in his very nature, yet without sin. And after all this ministry, he was exhausted. The Bible says that... Uh, that he came to us in the flesh, John fourteen, John one fourteen says, he he came with a a, a full humanity among us. In fact, I, I love these words. Let these words from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter two. Uh, I would I would just quote them, but I'm sure I'll misquote them. This these words how how the writer of Hebrews describes our Lord Jesus in verse uh, in verse fourteen. Of chapter 2. He says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, that's you and I in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver us all, uh, all those, deliver all those who through fear of death are subject to lifelong slavery to that, to that fear of death. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers, like you and I, in every respect. But chapter 4 goes on to say, uh, in verses, in verses uh, 15 and 16, yet without sin. Like you and I, yet without sin. He was tired. That's why he was sleeping in the back of the boat, knowing they had more ministry a- a- ahead of him. But I don't want you to miss, I don't want you to miss his full humanity. Now, here's the third thing I want you to see from this. Look at your text again if you have it before you. They said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And the scriptures say in verse 39, He awoke and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And look at his disciples. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Now it says, it says, They were filled with fear. Not about the storm. They were filled with fear of who was in the boat with them. They said to one another, Who then is this? Even the wind. And the sea obey him. This is what I want you to see. First of all, of course, Jesus, Gentiles like us are are precious to the Lord throughout the Jews. The second is that Jesus is is fully a human being. And the third thing I want you to see is this. Jesus 
is fully divine. There are two complete natures, not half and half, quarter and a quarter, one and three quarter, anything like that. Two full natures in the Lord Jesus Christ. A full humanity without sin and a full divinity. He was fully divine. And he was sovereign over all of his creation, over all of it. In fact, if you go back to just a few books back there in in, uh, in John chapter 1, this is these words of John, uh, John the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word. You're familiar with this text, I'm sure. In the beginning was the, the Word, the Logos, the revelation of God. And that Word was with God, with the Father. And that Word was God. Jesus is divine. And all things, listen to the third verse says, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. The creation is the work of Christ. It's made through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is sovereign over his creation. Verse 18 says, I love the ESV reading here because I think it's most accurate. No one has ever seen God. This is John 1.18. The only God. I like that. No one has ever seen God, meaning the Father. The only God, meaning the Son, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. He who walked the earth has made Him known. John reemphasizes this in... in uh, I've been preaching it, Calvin, periodically in uh, 1 John chapter 1. Look what John emphasizes. Christ, the Son of God, walking among us. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, we've seen, we've touched, uh, uh, concerning the word of life, that life was manifest to us, and we saw it and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, that's the eternal life of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, which, which was with the Father, and was manifest, displayed before us. Holy, fully human, without sin, fully divine. That's what John is emphasizing in both of these of these writings. I love also the words of uh, of, of Paul in in uh, Titus chapter two, uh, uh, where it says that uh, the grace of God has been displayed before all men. Chapter 2, verse 11. And I love the NIV reading. That that grace of God teaches us to say no, no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-control, upright and godly lives in this present age. And then he says, and I, I like the, ES, the NIV reading better on in this passage. It says, while we wait, while we wait that with an anticipation of that that glorious hope, uh, how to say the glorious hope and the the uh, glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the King James puts a uh, awaiting the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior like it's two things. No, it's our great God, divine Jesus, our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself up that he might redeem us from all wickedness and and uh, uh, redeem a people for his own possession, zealous to do what is 
good or right or pleasing to the Lord. I'm mixing up a couple of translations there, but I love that text. Jesus gave his life on the cross to deliver us from all wickedness and to, and to redeem for himself a people, you and I, for his very own. Our great God and Savior. Now, here's the last thing I want you to see from this text. Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth, will bring his loved ones, all believers, through every trial and every affliction of life because he is with us and we are dear to him. Faith grasps this great truth and is at peace in every affliction of life because they know, we know, that Christ is with us in the storms of life. Because Jesus is the master of all creation and all providence, that means whatever happens in life, and because he was in that boat, in that boat with his disciples, rather than being terrified, they ought to have trusted to have had faith that he would bring them through this storm to the glory of God. But they didn't know who he was. Do you understand? They didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't fully comprehend him. And in the outlines there, you if you pick up an outline, you see I took out the word, I had the word fully, and I just kind of took it out, wiped that out of my outline. Because it, it's not that they didn't they quite well understood, but not fully. They they had no idea that he was the Lord of the universe, and all things were made through him, and the sea was under his power. I think when Jesus said, Peace be still, what I I, I think what he's uh what he's really saying is to the sea, stop it. Settle down. You ever said that to your children? <laughs> stop it. Settle down. And the Bible says he rebuked the sea. Some people think that that his rebuke was not so much of the sea, but of the devil himself who was seeking to flounder that boat. But Jesus is the Lord of all creation and he's sovereign over the devil too. And Whoever you're speaking to, the sea or the devil or both, I guess maybe both. I think he said, stop it. Settle down. You're under my power, my authority. No wonder the Bible says the disciples were, it says, here the ESV reads a little, little mildly, they were filled with great fear. They were, they were filled with great terror. Who, is, who then is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. Sometimes the storms of life come slowly. And sometimes storms of life come very quickly and catch us even unexpectedly. But we, we know better than Jesus' disciples did because we have the scriptures with us of the life of Christ and the redemptive grace and the power of Christ. We know that who Jesus is and what he can do and therefore, in the, in the trials of life, be they that the doctor says you have cancer, or you suffer a heart attack, you go through a, a divorce or unexpected job loss, financial difficulties, trials, or robberies, or whatever it might be that you might go through, encountering life, 
Our Lord is sovereign over all these experiences. And we need to look to Him, to trust Him, because He is with us, spiritually with us, even in the storms of life. Our Lord said in John, was it, 1633? He said, I say these things unto you as He was facing the cross, that you might have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, us, suffering, trial, tribulation. He says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. As John 8, 28 says, those who are elect, those whom God has chosen, he will work out everything to the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And that doesn't just mean that if you wreck your car, you get a better car, lose your job, you get a better job. Indeed, he can supply earthly things. But the next verse says that he uses the experiences of life to conform us to the likeness of Christ, whom whom he called, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. He uses those trials to build our faith, to build our patience, to build our trust, to focus us upon Christ all the more. As well as he can give us earthly blessings too, but he used them for our spiritual benefit especially. What I want you to see here is, as he was in the boat with those disciples, as I put in the outline I gave to I gave to uh, Brian, uh, uh, Jesus is in the boat of your life too. If you're saved, if you know Christ as your Savior, if your faith is truly in Christ, there's nothing you will go through without the presence and the love and the care of Christ. And He has sovereign control over every experience. Be at peace, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. Actually, He says, be of good cheer, too, in that text. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Keep your eyes upon Christ. It, you, if you haven't faced well, you all this face trials, but you'll face more trials to leave this life, and I have too. Keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your trust in Christ. No matter what happens, glory awaits you in the presence of the Savior, and He's with you through those experiences of life. And you are always, always precious to Him. What did David say in the Psalm twenty-three, verse four? That either I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. We often think of that being the Father, but of course that, that's really a reference also to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even in the presence of my enemies. Yet my head is anointed, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy, that word mercy hesed means covenant love, is with me through all of life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And David had some really difficult experiences. But he kept his eyes and his confidence on his Lord. And we must do the same. Let me close it. I'm going to read just a little bit. This is, this is, this is carefully, please. This is from uh, Sinclair Ferguson, Dr. Sinclair Ferguson. And this is just wonderful stuff as he looks at this text we just, we just read. Jesus is subduing the powers of darkness and bringing order out of chaos. Perhaps the most important thing for the disciples is this. 
for a brief moment, they saw the majesty, power, and the glory of Jesus unveiled. They witnessed his lordship over nature and its forces. Like men in a storm who see the world momentarily illuminated by lightning and are able to get their bearings again, the disciples saw Jesus. Remember, remember verse, let's say verse 36. They saw Jesus just as he was in his glory. It made them realize that if they could answer one question, they would have their bearings both for time and eternity. Who is this? Right? Let's say that. Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Sometimes, this is wonderful stuff. Sometimes we draw from this story the lesson that Jesus stilled the storm in nature, the Sea of Galilee there, the wind, etc., and he can still the storm in our hearts too. And that, of course, is true, but is not the central lesson of this passage. For Mark tells us that the stilling of the natural storm raised a spiritual storm in the disciples' hearts. They were terrified. I think it's from the NIV. They were terrified. They had taken Jesus just as he was. Tired, weary, laying down a pillow in the back of the boat, going across the lake, just as he was. And now they were awed to discover who he really was. Every test and trial, every storm in life is another opportunity for you to see the glory of Jesus Christ and discover his power in your life. Look to Christ. Trust in Christ. Whatever happens, whatever you face, whatever the outcome, keep your eyes and your confidence in Christ. He will use that for your blessing. He will use it to conform you to the likeness of Christ to prepare you for when you stand in His glorious presence. And may He say to you, Well done. Well done. You are faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to appreciate in the storms of life that our Lord Jesus Christ is with us. He will never forsake us. In the easy times, the good times, when sometimes we... We forget to give Him thanks and praise for the many blessings we enjoy. And also in the storms of life and the trials of life that we undergo. And all of us will and all of us have and will do this, experience this. Help us to realize Christ is in the boat with us. If we love Him as our Savior, if our faith is in Him, He is with us. He will not forsake us. He will bring us through every storm of life and into His glorious, uh, into the glory of heaven. Help us, Lord, to have that peace, that confidence, that unwavering trust, and to be of good cheer, no matter what we undergo, knowing Christ is with us. And He will work His power through us for Your glory. In Christ's name we pray all of this. Amen.